Like I said, our theme for this evening is, what child is this? And we're going to see that from the text in Isaiah chapter 6, rather, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, that, that God is giving us peace in this child that's born to us. I've lived in Austin now with my wife and family for six years, and last night was our first night to brave the crowds and go to the Trail of Lights downtown Austin. Has anybody been to it before? Okay, a couple people, a couple brave souls that would go down and brave the crowds. It is chaos and it's a mess. We got there like an hour and a half early so that we were like 100th or 200th in line to start. My little kids said that we waited a thousand years to get there or to get in. And there you see some pictures. My shoulders are still sore from carrying these babies, these not babies, these, these, these half, halfway adults on my, ki- on my shoulders, it feels like. The trail of lights, it's amazing, it's incredible. I've never seen so many lights in one place. And we were the typical parents jockeying for position, plodding along like cattle down the road, passively, aggressively getting our elbows into other parents and trying to take our kids' pictures in front of Santa Claus and Snoopy and SpongeBob. The lights went everywhere and those little eyes looked up and wonder at how many lights that they could count. According to the website for the, the Trail of Lights, it's been happening since 1965, and there are over two million lights that light up Zilker Park. And there's 65 food trailers that you can waste all of your money probably on two of them. And there are three entertainment stages. It's, it's an experience, and if you want to see lights, that's the place to be. Um, Austin says that it's the largest event, or at least one of the largest events, in the Austin area that, that, that draws over 400,000 people over two weeks. Just think about that. We did the math last night, and that means that there's 28 to 30,000 people looking at lights every night for two weeks. We did the math according to our City of Austin electric bill, and we figured out that at $3.50 an adult, that barely pays the City of Austin to actually keep those lights on. You must not get those same bills that I get, but it is an ex- it's an experience. And um, Christmas, really, one of the signatures of Christmas are what? The lights. Um, from your living room, to your lawn, to a city park, to the storefront. They're everywhere, and they fill our lives this time of year. It's appropriate that they fill our lives, too, because we are actually coming. December 25th is coming off of what? The, the darkest day of the year. And in Europe, in places where Christmas celebrations started, the celebration was symbolized, was commemorated by lights. You know that it's more than just the decoration, though. The light at Christmas time is a symbol. It's a symbol of the light that has come into our world and our life. If you go into a room and you want to do anything, what's the first thing that you have to do? You've got to turn on the lights so you can walk around and you can actually see. That's the idea behind Christmas. That's the idea behind the, 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 the people who, who started celebrating Christmas is that we put up lights because Jesus is the perfect light. And this world that we live in, it's dark. The world that we live in is a dark place. And we might think today, well, we're really advanced and we have, we're not like the time of Jesus. We have technology and we have all this great stuff. Well, let me ask you, does this sound like today, the time of Isaiah, the time of Jesus' birth, refugees running for help, governments across the world corrupt? 
people suffering injustice that's never served their whole life, whole groups of people. That's what Isaiah's people were going through. That's what they would go through. They would go through a very dark time. And we know that they went through their dark time because of their sin. We live in a dark world that we look for solutions in that dark world too. Um, I'm going to include me in this. I'm one of you. But some of you look to the stock market for your light, for your peace. It comes in numbers. And if the numbers don't add up, you lose that peace. Others of you, you look to government to find peace. You look to another entity, the powers that be, to give you peace. But they've failed again and again and again. We all look to what today in Austin? Technology. That's going to give us peace. That's going to create a world without drought, without famine, without, without any kind of inequality. We're going to look to technology, and that's kind of like the God of our age, really. That's going to bring us light well, let me share this with you. We've been looking as a human race at those same three things basically over thousands of years, and yet we still fall short and we're still in the darkness. In fact, um, came across my Twitter feed last week by Fortune Magazine. They said that the rising cause of homelessness in the richest cities in America today is not joblessness and it's not drugs or addiction. You know what it is? It's rising rent rates. If you put your hope in the money and you say, well, the money's going to solve all the issues, well, look, even money creates inequality, and there's people that can't even afford to have a home. They're out of a home because they can't afford to live. So even our successes in this world, when we look to them to show us light, when we look to them to give us peace, it's not there. Um, there's a real interesting uh, character in history. His name is Vaclav Havel, and he's the first president of the Czech Republic, and he lived in this really interesting time in history where he had a great perspective into communism and he had an awesome perspective into uh, capitalism as well and you know what he said neither capitalism the markets wall street nor socialism the government are going to solve the greatest human problems he said it's not going to solve the nuclear crisis it's not going to solve poverty it's not going to solve um, environmental de degradation. It's not going to solve any of those. You know what he said with his unique perspective? If there is a saving grace, it would be that the human spirit seek and search for God. What he's saying there is something really interesting. He's saying you can't find peace. You can't find light from this world. It's something that's going to have to be found outside of ourselves. And what Jesus does when he arrives is he takes that to the next level. What Jesus says when he arrives is um, <clears throat> it's not just the global problems. It's not just the poverty, the homelessness, the inequality. He says those are all a result of this. But the real problem, Jesus says, is it's, it's this right here. And it starts within the heart, your heart and my heart included. He says, you can be concerned about all those things, and he does want us to be concerned about all the worldly concerns, but he says, first of all, you're concerned about what happens right here because it's out of here that all of this happens. In fact, in Matthew 15, he says, out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. These defile a person. Do you see that? These make a person, this world dark. It's 
the moments when I think about somebody other than my spouse the way that I shouldn't, that's the beginning of it. And that is it. It's the greed. Wanting something that's not mine. It's the covetousness of things. that It's, it's all of that that starts in the heart. And, and the darkness, I guess, is what I'm getting at, starts within us. And it's all around us. And that's why Isaiah says what he says. For a people in his time that were living in spiritual darkness and they were living out the realities of that in their world, with all of these tragedies, he says some beautiful words of hope. He says, there's not a solution that comes from your darkness, but there's a solution that God is bringing you. And this is the promise of a Messiah that would come at Christmas. And he says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of deep darkness. A light has dawned. Now we ask ourselves, what is that light? Where is it coming from? Obviously, it's not coming from the darkness. It's coming from outside the darkness. And we learn in verse 6 where that is and how that's going to come to us. He says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Okay, in closing, take a look at that promise right there and make it real for yourself this Christmas Eve. You have... A God who comes to you, born as what? A child. A son that's given to you. What that means is this. Well, have, if you've had little children before, you've maybe experienced this. You rearranged your whole life around a new child that's being born. If you've had children before, a mommy and a daddy, they, they, they give birth to a child, and this child actually gives them new hope. Maybe their marriage is not doing too well, and this gives them a new hope to rally around, to figure out their problems, their issues. A child can bring great joy to people, and it brings great joy to a whole, a whole household that says, we've had problems in the past, you know, and we're working through the problems today, but look, there's new life, and there's new life in our house. A baby it means a new beginning. And when God gave his life to you by becoming a baby, he is telling us this is the new beginning. There is new hope. Whether you have been good or bad, whether you have been righteous or unrighteous, there's, there's, a, there's a hope for you now. There's a hope for you that, that transcends yourself and it's not from the darkness. So a child is born to you because a child means a new start. A baby need, means a new beginning. And that son, that child that's born to you is given to you like a gift. In the song that we're about to sing, Where Shepherds Lately Knelt, it says in the final stanza, Can I, will I forget how love was born and burned its way into my heart, unasked, unforced, unearned? It's a gift that you can't pay for because that's the definition of a gift. And that gift comes from your loving God and Father. And the government will be on his shoulders. Because the government's on his shoulders, he's not dependent on the markets. He's not dependent on your government to survive. He's not dependent on us as a church to survive. You know what? He will survive because, guess what? The government rests on his shoulders. What does that mean for you and me? That means that my happiness and my peace aren't going to be dependent on the markets. They're not going to be dependent on the government. They're not going to be dependent on what is done or not done to me. Even if I'm treated unjustly, I can say... That the government and all of the things that are happening in my life are dependent on him. 
And finally, or not finally, the next one, mighty God. When people came across Jesus, when they met him, if you would actually open the Bible and look at the accounts of Jesus in the Bible, they didn't do what many people do today. You know what people do today when they meet Jesus or they think they know Jesus? They say, oh yeah, he was a nice teacher and he taught us good things. He was like a good buddy and a good friend. You can take or leave his advice, but he can make us a better world. No, 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 no. Never did somebody that met the true Jesus of Nazareth say he is just a good influence on the world. When they met him, one of three things happened. When they met that baby that grew up to be a man and he spoke to them and he did signs for them, either they ran in fear, they were afraid, or... They were criticizing him. That means that they didn't like what they were seeing. In fact, they criticized him literally to death. Or they bowed down and they worshipped him because he claimed to be God. And when he spoke, people that were self-righteous were crushed. And people who were crushed were built up and strengthened. That's the God that we encounter when we come together like we do tonight around a manger. He's mighty God. But he comes to us as a little baby. That's the God that changes things in your life. Because he has the power to do it. He's mighty God. And finally, he's the wonderful counselor. Now, there's some gifts that you get, and you wonder why you get them. I want you to imagine for a second getting a gift from a friend, a good friend, like your best friend, your BFF. And they give you a gift, and you open it up, and it's a dieting book. Okay? Now, what would you think when you got that gift from that friend? A little bit of hurt? A little bit of offended? Like, oh, thanks a lot. And then you open up another gift from another friend, and you take the ribbons off, and you open it up, and this is a book, Overcoming, Overcoming Selfishness. <laughs> and you think, wow, what do my friends really think of me? Now, you could do two things in those situations. You can either be offended and run from them and throw them away and say, that never happened, or... You can say, indeed, I am fat and obnoxious. <laughs> but you have a friend in Jesus who actually does this very thing. The gift that you get at Christmas, I know that we put lights on it and we make it beautiful and we make it, uh, you know, a pageant almost. The gift that's given at Christmas, my friends, is one of those gifts. Because when you open it up, you're like, I, you're calling me dark? that I have murder, adultery, sexual immorality, false testimony in my heart? Indeed, I have darkness in my heart. But here's where the gift doesn't end. He doesn't tell you, you got to get better. This is a book to help you be better, because this book is not about that. And his message is not about that. His message is, when you open this gift, you're going to be confronted. You might be offended. You should be offended because of your sin. But I've done something by giving this baby to you to bring you peace. Because this baby will take away the murder, the idolatry, the idolatry that you have had in your heart. And my friends, if you want a Christmas season that's truly full of light, the real light, when you go home tonight and you drive past the city park and you see the lights and you go home and you drive past the yard signs and you go into your driveway and you see the lights on your house and you go in and you see the lights on the tree, remember that the peace, the light that gives you life doesn't come from this world. But just like those lights are lighting up your house, are lighting up your room to make you walk in peace, live in peace, enjoy the joy of Christmas, your Savior who's done everything that I just mentioned and you're about to hear more of 
has given you that peace. And with that peace, you can, with Isaiah, have a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Amen. Try to imagine just for a moment that you're not sitting in a church at a beautiful Christmas celebration that's rooted in 2,000 years of history and put yourself maybe on the hillside with those shepherds and it's, it's dark outside. You live out there. There's no such thing as Christmas. You're watching your sheep. It's your turn to sit up for a while. It's dark. Maybe a little moonlight. You can see a few sheep lying there on the side of the hill and a few are grazing. And you, these nights get long, so during the daytime up beforehand, you think about, oh, it's going to be another long night. You get, you get to thinking. You're mulling over your life. There's no way to be distracted by your phone and check your Facebook or look around. And you're just sitting there watching and thinking. You think about the grandpa that they said died when you were an infant. You never really knew him. You wished you knew him. You, like, you, 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 you hope that maybe there's in the afterlife you're going to get to see him and learn about his strong traits that your dad still reveres and gets tears in his eyes about. You, uh, you think about your parents. They're not near you. They're, you're out with the sheep now. You feel like your dad has never really understood all your feelings. He's always so busy trying to just keep food on the table that he, he hasn't taken time to get past being a utility parent and just find out how you feel and he doesn't know how lonely you are even thinking about family you think about the the parents of your ex-girlfriend that didn't really like you and so they found another boy for her to chase after and they pushed you out of the scene and that that one hurts deeply think about the job you got fired from and that you deserved it think about your big mistakes your little ones that keep happening over and over again you wonder you know if god calls me out of this life tonight would he see me as a good person would i be accepted in heaven i've got way too many sins you think well good thing i don't have to deal with that tonight <laughs> i can just put it off it's not tonight and then an angel appears in the brightest light of heaven and you're thinking what maybe i do have to deal with it tonight you're terrified That's what, the, that's what the shepherds felt. They were terrified. And then the words of the angels sound so beautiful because the angel said, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. I, I wasn't sent to announce your judgment. There's a Savior born to you in the little town next to your hill in Bethlehem, the city of David, who is the long-promised Messiah that you Jews have been watching for, and he is the Lord. See, the angel came to bring good news for troubled hearts because every single human being has unfinished business, you and me included. And if right this very moment, the end of the world came or the end of our life, our first thought will be fear. And we'll look to hear God and his angels say, do not be afraid. Because we believe in the Savior that was born for us. He wasn't just born for the shepherds, but that's what Christmas is. He was born for us. And the people that we 
have heard about that we haven't really gotten to know because they went before us or the people we know that we miss so terribly because they've gone before us and we hope to see again because of that little baby and what he did in his life for all people we're going to see him again and some we're going to see for the first time and it's going to be wonderful and the hurts that we have the people that have rejected us said we weren't good enough for them whether it was family or friends or enemies all those hurts, it says, the Lord says, I'm going to wipe every tear from your eyes. There's going to be no more hurt because of that little baby. He's the one that said it. He's going to wipe the tears away. And then the biggest things we've done against ourselves, by putting ourselves in the predicament of sin and guilt, that we know we knew better, and we put ourselves in harm's way, and we brought death into our own body by our own sin, that little baby said, I've killed it. I've killed death. It's finished. You'll be with me in paradise. See, Christmas is that, the greatest present we'll ever have. You know, all of us want to go to heaven, but probably not many of us want to go tonight. <laughs> we want to go there. We want to believe that all the people we love are going to go there or have gone if they're already gone from this life. But simply not true that just everybody gets to go because we love them or they happen to have some good traits. It's not the, that's not the way it is. You only get to go, go through the Son who said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Here's an illustration. A few years ago, our pastor, who's a retired pastor in our church named John Monkey. He got two tickets to the Texas A&M football game from a member of our church in College Station. And he asked a couple other people, he told me this, and then he asked me because they said no, and I said, yes, I can go. So we're going to the A&M football game. At the time, an old friend of his, Bowen Lofton, and a friend of mine found out we were coming to the game through church because Bowen Lofton is a member of our church at the time in, in uh, College Station, and Bowen happened to be the president of Texas A&M member of our church. He found out we were coming, so he said, come to the president's breakfast. We have all these donors there, and my whole family's going to be there for this game. It's early in the morning. The game's like at 2 o'clock. Come to the breakfast. You can eat the big buffet. I want you to meet my family, and you'll be my guest. Well, we thought, that's great. Let's go. So we did, and it was awesome. And we got to meet his whole family and eat that big buffet. And Then while we were there, he surprised us with another thing. He said, you know, he said, here's a couple passes to get on the the, the field before the game. And you can follow my group of friends and family, and we're going to stand in the little bleachers as the cadets go by. And, and they march into the stadium with the, their band playing, and they march by on the track right in front of these bleachers. Like, That's awesome. We get to go do that? We'll do, be glad to do that with you. So we didn't even need the passes because we were in Bowen's entourage as we walked through into the stadium onto the 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 turf, right, and then over to the track, and then over to the bleachers, we got in the bleachers, and then we looked up on the jumbotron, and there's some camera somewhere on the bleachers, and they start announcing the people who are standing in the bleachers with us just with two or three shoulders away. There's an astronaut, and there's the chief justice of the Texas Supreme Court, and we're starting to feel like Forrest Gump when he was in that picture with the president, you know, it's like, uh, I know they're not going to announce our names, um, what are we doing in here? We can see ourselves in the corner of the jumbotron. Wow, 
we're up here with all these people. How did we get there? Was it because we were dignitaries? I don't know if you've noticed lately, but reverends are not really all that honored in the world. Nope. It's because we knew Bowen Lofton, and he loved us. <laughs> That's how come we were in those bleachers. That's how come we were on the field. That's how come. It really had to do with him. Are you getting the picture about heaven? Man, you, I'm sorry, but you ain't got it to get yourself there, and neither do I. It's not about us at all. It's about him. We know him, and he loves us. And he got us a pass by his own blood. And he said, you'll be with me in paradise. Isn't that beautiful? There's more to the story. It's almost done. Um, after the little marching into the cadets and the game's about to start, and the players are all practicing on the field, and we're thinking it's awesome. We kind of thought, it's time to file up to our seats. And I call it the sardine section. You know, you go up and you sit, you're like really tight against other people. You know, about the 20th row on the 40-yard line. It's not bad seats, but it's really tight. And we're sitting down, we're ready to watch the game. And we look down on the field about second quarter, and we see people on the field that had the same pass that we have. We could have stayed on the side of the field. And we're sitting up in the stands. So during a break, I went down there, and a little man with the badge on, I said, I got a pass, can I get back on? He goes, no, no, you get off the field, you can't go back on. Back to the sardine section rest of the game and that's an illustration for me to the pass you have through faith in Jesus Christ is a pass into the grace and forgiveness of God that you experience in this life for you and for other people and heaven it's all free and you have it because you have grace and that grace is the power to forgive others and their hurts right now and to know that you're going to be completely healed from it all when you get to heaven are you enjoying the past or are you sitting up with those who don't really get it <laughs> packed in don't waste your time up there there's no little man with the badge you can get back on the field <laughs> you have grace and forgiveness in Christ enjoy it have a Merry Christmas amen